from Palma de Mallorca to the global super yacht community, Super Yacht Radio. And welcome to an edition of the Crew Mess, where we are joined today by Jason. I'm going to make Maeve say Pelaticus. There you go. <laughs> I've been <laughs> practicing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jason is the uh, recent A-Crew Award winner of the Captain Award for Master of 500 GT. And presently, as we talk to you on um, your beautiful Mangusta soup yacht, um, Vinny Vidi Vici, which just rolls much more easily. Hi, Jason. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure, and uh, yes, she is a beautiful boat. I had the pleasure of being on her many times, um, and I believe she's had a full refit in Via Reggio and is uh, looking a lot sp- brightlier and sparklier this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, a, this is our first season. We got out in in May, uh, like you said, after a full refit. Mm. We stripped it right back. Um, we had an interior designer do everything. Uh, interior. There's been a paint job last year. Um, she, yeah, she's looking good. Pretty much. Well, enough. Yeah. Ab- enough about her. Let's talk about you. <laughs> Congratulations. We'll start there. Did you get to go to the award ceremony? Luckily, yeah. We actually <laughs> we dropped off charter uh, about two o'clock the day of the awards. So there was a bit of fear that it was going to be a struggle. But no, we got there and the, the whole fleet were there. Oh, fantastic. Um, and your crew as well? Our crew were there. Um, yeah, it was a, it was an amazing event. I didn't expect a win. But, I um, have heard was, that from everyone, that it was just a fantastic event. And the feeling of kind of camaraderie, most people came with some of their crew and just i think everyone was surprised to be a winner when they ended up being one well yeah i mean known you for a couple of years uh, i was surprised as well well done (laughs) (laughs) i had to say that you had to get a dig in (laughs) um so jason i would love to take you back because doing a little read of your bio you you started at a young age being near the sea and and have had quite an adventurous journey through not only marine maritime occupations but sport in general um he looks sporty doesn't he? I, 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 and can i add to that also like uh, something of a family history of being involved in in maritime life yeah i guess it was uh i guess it was written without me knowing about it <laughs> but uh, i was my granddad was a captain so i i grew up in cornwall um a little place called falmouth which is a sailing town oh, i know and, yes uh, that's a very famous yeah. sailing town yeah yeah everything mm. everything in falmouth is built around the sea and fishing and sailing and um yeah so that was it was just kind of natural to spend time in the water like i said granddad was a captain so I learned to sail with him from just about as young as I can remember. Uh, it was just a way of life. And mm. then I migrated into surfing and my parents had a restaurant on the marina, at Falmouth Marina there, um, which my uncle was the manager of. <laughs> so I had yeah, parents' restaurant on the marina, uncle managing the marina, granddad with a boat on the marina. Um, and uh, yeah, it was not something I ever thought about. So, either family is very important to you, or you're trying to get away from family, one or the other. That's well, <laughs> I went uh, when I was 15 or 16. I went. Uh, I went away to boarding school 
and got away from the family <laughs> <laughs> um, just to go down the route of sport. I was mm-hmm. loved my athletics and rugby when I was a kid, so um, I went away to school to give that a go, and that took me to London, where I carried on, went to university, kept playing sport, and got into personal training. So I went away from the sea, um, and I never really thought about it. But uh, after six years in London, by a odd sort of twist of events, one of my best buddies, another rugby player, um, he left uni and went to this, found this thing called yachting, um, was badgering me for the best part of a year. JJ, you got to come and do this. You're going to love it. So yeah, yeah, you know, I'm still in London. I'm sort of ticking over personal training, bit of rugby, and he actually, um, he actually paid for me and said, right, here's your STCW. Here are your flights. Flew me to South Africa. Made made me do it. Where's my um, best friends when it comes to stuff like yeah, this? Yeah, no, it was amazing. It, really, it was an amazing move from him. Um, and also and that he, he knew your potential in this. Do you know he had such belief that this is something you should be doing? Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't think about that at all at the time. But in actually, in thinking about this interview, I've had time to go back and reconsider your life. <laughs> actually, yeah, really, just look back at it and be like, okay, you know, this was this was quite a little journey. Mm. Kind of quite proud of it. Um, so it was nice to have the opportunity to go back and think about it with a. With panic about this, but for a good reason. Um, so yeah, off the back of doing my STCW, really out of nowhere, I got offered a personal training job on Polaris, which is a big boat oh, yeah. owned by a Russian. Oh, yeah. um, which was a, a bit of a fork in the road. It was do I carry on with rugby or do I turn my whole life around in one week and go and do whatever this personal training on a yacht thing is? Um, so I sort of said, you know. Balls to it. Try and that. Went. Try that. Job fell through. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I turned my life around in a week. I had a leaving party with basically all of my friends, RSVP to, which is unexpected. And the morning of this leaving party in London, I, um, I got an email saying, this was 2007, so the economy ground to a halt. And I got an email saying, look, we're on hold. Everything's hmm. sort of stopped. We can't take you. I was like, well, you don't understand. I've just referred all my clients and, Broke up with my girlfriend. I'm leaving London. <laughs> left my apartment. I've got a leaving I'm party. I'm gone. I'm like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. So I had to go to this leaving party and uh, uh, basically lie to like 100 people. <laughs> and pretending I was leaving the next morning on a flight for this new adventure. Um, until the next day when I was sleeping on my own sofa because I've sublet my apartment. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I've got 400 quid in the bank and... <laughs> I don't know what's going on. So, um, yeah, I just booked a flight, left, went to Nice, started trying to find this personal training dream on a super yacht, which didn't really exist, to be honest. And um, this was back in 2007? 2007, exactly. Okay. Uh, and I... Um, Different industry 12 years ago, too, you know. Um, yeah. But Antibes was this was just needed. super fun that I didn't know existed. <clears throat> I came and started doing some personal training ashore. Um, and somebody came up to me on a beach and said, do you, do you want some day work? I said, what? You know, what, what's day work? What does that mean? And he said, we'll give you a bunch of cash to come and help the boys out. We just need to clean the boat in a day. We've got some other charter guests coming tomorrow. I didn't really know what he was talking about. It was another language. So I went down, stepped onto this boat. And uh, I'll never forget this bit. As soon as I stepped on the boat, um, everything kind of lined up. In my head, I was like, "Oh, I know this. 
you know, from I just went straight back to my childhood. Boats, tenders, the whole concept of all of it just clicked in, and that was the point right there where I definitely decided to change tack, and and then spent that whole summer in on tea, basically having the time of my life. <laughs> uh, yeah, did a little charter at the end of the summer with the <laughs> I better not say, but um, yeah, some interesting clients who took me under their wing, um, and as a tech hand, I was basically taken under the wing of these clients and they were taking me out for dinners and lunches and getting me drunk and uh, I thought this was yachting mm. <laughs> which it wasn't. it's so normal uh, yeah so after that I thought wow you know this is this is it this is the dream so committed and took a job and flew to the Caribbean to be a deckhand chase boat skipper personal trainer on a boat called Victoria Del Mar which was two of the best years of my life was Patrick captain of at that time no, it was actually a guy called Dusty Dial. Oh, Patrick Dusty Dial! Just, <laughs> I know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who he actually still is, my mentor. He's Whenever I think about uh, decisions or how I want to navig- navigate, but how I want to be a captain, he's always the, the guy I put sort of on a, on a pedestal and think about what would he do. Mm. Um, and I had two years working with him, and it was fantastic. It, you know, in terms of enjoying a job and traveling and seeing things... It never, it never got better than that, with limited responsibility. But the deck can as well. Hmm. Well, and you know, uh, interesting as you you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking of like younger crew who, you know, twelve years on, it's or ten years on, it's uh, a much more competitive world that they're coming into as well. The the just sort of finding something on on the beach and that leading you that way. Uh, do, do you normally follow strangers <laughs> off a beach when you don't know what they're talking about? Is that, is that part of your personality? Done it before, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look where you are today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, you're right. It is. It's a. It's a different game. Uh, it really is, and I see the kids coming in now. Um, really young, you know, eighteen, nineteen, hmm. and. But they're focused. It's now, it's become this career that you they, they come into it clued up with an idea of how they want to get to where they want to go. And it's not a summer job anymore. It's it's, it's a career not. path. There was still there was still a bit of that backpackery type mm. thing. You know, it was in the Lonely Planet. It even said, "Yeah, if you're traveling around Europe, go here and work on a yacht, make some money, and carry on." <laughs> and I was tail end of that, it's sort of just as it was transitioning into this. It is a professional thing, though. Mm, very. Um, but I mean, it wasn't unprofessional then. But the the competitiveness, like you like you said, and um, and the requirements you to- too. You know, I, I I think more and more. Uh, just talking to crew recruiters, I mean, one of the things they say is bring in as much experience. If you're a personal trainer, fantastic. That's going to be very helpful on your CV because it'll make you stand out. Um, that probably wasn't part of your thinking when you were putting together your CV for the first job. It was just, this is part of who I am. Yeah, my, my first job was just, uh, yeah, I mean, surfing. I, I had a boat, grew up with my granddad. So there was good, I mean, I guess I was lucky in that respect. Um, and then it was all, yeah, rugby and personal training. And I actually struggled at the start when I was going on my CV to agencies. They didn't. Um, understandably now but uh, at the time I was like well they're not helping they just said go and get some day work and get some experience and come back and 
So I need a job to get experience. Mm. And it was that. Just so so it's 22. There's the rub, hey? <laughs> yeah, and that was 12 years ago. So, I mean, I do... It, it still seems really close and fresh in my memory. So I do... Uh, I do my best to try and, uh, you know, give the kids time when they come to the passerelle and anyone who comes on and day works. It, I always, I'll never forget how much I appreciated mm. someone taking the time of day to, you know, point me in the right direction, give me a little leg up. Or It's tough you know, to get that break, and especially when you've, you've so many dock walkers now, like six in the morning, they're down there one it's after the cute. other it's 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 uh, it's very competitive it's difficult to get your first foot on the pass rail as it were yeah i mean there's, there's a bit of a lottery element to it mm. but that doesn't negate I mean, my advice is always just keep going yeah. be relentless don't let it get you down just keep walking to every boat you can and repeat show your face again and again and again eventually someone will cave about all right you again <laughs> um did you have you know you you had that bit of experience being a deckhand was the end goal to be to be um captain at that stage was it just sort of a natural progression did you have a oh i wonder if i want because you had sailing in your background so did you ever kind of consider do i want to progress in motor yachting or sailing yachting didn't really have any aspirations, did you? It was just more like, let's try yeah, it out. Hopeless, hopeless joke, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I was, um, I mean, I loved, uh, it was an adventure for me then. Uh, mm. It was just a change of scenery. And probably after the first year, I started thinking, okay, you know, I need to do my yacht master. So I did that. And that, you know, having made that commitment, it started to pave the way. And I quite quickly found that I had a big network of friends from the amount of traveling we were doing in the industry and a few of my other friends had come in. So yeah, it was after a year I started to look at it as a, as a, as a thing or at least something I wanted to give more time to. Um, and then after my second year in a deckhand, I was, um, probably becoming a bit of a nightmare for my captain. <laughs> but I'm quite, quite hyperactive. And when I get bored, I start to play up. Uh, and I was starting to play up, and uh, we had a chat. You know, we, were, we had a good relationship. We were friends, and the first mate wasn't going anywhere. Um, and we sort of said, you know, it's time to refocus and move on. Mm-hmm. Um, let someone green come in and do and do my job. You know, hand over the reins. So I did. I left. I left and took some time out. Uh, came home, um, and then went down the process again. You know, finding another job. Then I realized that the job I had on uh, Victoria Damar was an absolute, you know, top shelf job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the strength jobs after were, okay, you know, there's the industry's not all, Quite not all fun and, and surfing and fun guests. There's the, the, like the dark arts, the shipyard in Italy and for four months. And <laughs> the dark arts. Right, yeah, you know, the, navigating the brutal captain and the scary chief stew and the engineer who just doesn't talk to you because you're not established and you know, all these characters and things that you come across on the way um and i had yeah i actually got quite badly injured on one of them so i was out for nearly a year which made me question everything mm, um it would yeah it was it was quite bad what happened? Um, and i had I, I fell in i won't go into the details okay. too much but um i fell into an open bilge in the engine room oh. while we were dead shit and uh I dislocated my shoulder, broke my elbow, 
ruined my knee ligaments and it was I was the best part of a year sort of in recovery uh, and um, the smell as well <laughs> oh, I, I'm uh, thinking pain he's thinking smell have you ever been in a bilge yeah. it's I horrendous did. yeah but that's a temporary experience the pain for the months of right. rehab and I still smell physio the last and that I was exposed to on, on top of it all, you know, having, I'm sure there must have been a frustration if you're very sporty, that in a immobility for a time as well has got to have been tremendously frustrating as well. Yeah, it did. It got me. It was quite scary. I didn't know how I was going to come out of it. Um, yeah, it did. I couldn't really surf or do any of the sports that I loved. So I was, for the first time ever, in England in the cold, where I didn't want to be, without any real outlet. Um but, you know, the, the cliches are true. You know, what doesn't kill you kill makes you, you stronger. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it did. It set me off on a, on a new path. And then I um, came back to France. I met I met a girl. I got married. Um, so I brought my career to France. So she she lived in London. I wanted to be Europe-based. And uh, um, I started working on some smaller boats, getting some experience. And the plan was to then... I focused to get to be a captain as as quickly as I could so that I could have a bit more say over what my time was like in the winter, essentially, and a bit more money. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I worked. I've worked on quite a few smaller boats doing sort of seasons and one-year gigs, and I never worked for someone who I looked up to like I did my first captain. Mm-hmm. And I got to the stage where um, I had a good relationships with a couple of owners and... I uh, I basically thought I can do this myself, um, so I did. It was about four years in. I stepped up and took my first captain's job on another Mangusta, which I hands down was not ready for. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a lot of boats, isn't it? I will just never forget the first day still on the bridge of that boat, having gone in all cocky and full of confidence and like, yeah, I'm the captain now. <laughs> And uh, I just stood there, and I, the loneliness was just like Jesus Christ. I think I was twenty-eight or twenty-nine, maybe. And there were these sort of faces of the crew looking at me, and I was trying to look for the captain. <laughs> <laughs> Find a mirror. Yeah, it was, that was a real slap in the face of like, okay, that the guy sat next to me on the bridge on my old boat, who I thought was just sitting back relaxing. Actually, you know, he, he was shouldering a lot that I didn't know about. Hmm. So I was straight on the phone to my first captain, Dusty, and uh, a really good friend of mine, a guy called Antoine, who was another mentor. Um, uh, and they kind of helped me through the, the baby steps of driving a jet boat, one thing. And then the, you know, the, the other bits that were managing people and making decisions and trying to be that bit between a yacht owner and a crew and the manager and all these things I never really considered. Uh, the I think the problem is that when you've got a good captain, they do, they make it look so easy. It makes it look like they're sitting back in a chair and there's no yeah. real big issues yeah. here. But when, when, you actually, when you sit in the seat, you re- it's the bad captains that are running around frantically and screaming yeah. and shouting at people and, and they're all like, Ugh. but uh, the good captains, um, you just think, oh, you get paid for nothing. Look at you. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there's an art to it. I'm yet to yeah. discover it, but um, I think also added to that is, um, however skilled you are in in being able to 
essentially drive the boat. The leadership role, as you said, of of dealing with the the owner and the guests and making sure that communication is good because you're really the first point of of contact. And then the whole management of people and keeping that whole dynamic of your crew going is is a multi-skill level that you haven't necessarily had specifically in your training. And the training is much more focused on making sure this you know beautiful vessel works and, and goes the right direction. But all the other intricacies that are involved in being a leader of a, a group or a crew of people is um, something I presume you've learned from experience as well. Yeah, it, it, everything you said, it's really multifaceted. And um, it's, well, it's another cliche, but every day really is a bit of a school day. So the amount I've learned this year is... Um, more this year than ever like, before in everything and I've already been a captain for a good few years before I took this job how long have so you been on it, BBB? I, a year actually yeah I got on last year um, and uh, actually a few years ago I took time out again and I decided I want to go back to yachting and I wrote a little vision board and uh, on that I pinpointed what I want to do and it was to drive a Mangusta 130 uh, and I wanted to drive it into Nice port, my home port and I wanted it to be a charter boat based out of France um, and that is exactly what, what what happened when I drove this boat into Nice at the start of the summer it hit me like a slap in the face because I'd forgotten that I wrote that down you, you couldn't have just put in there I want to drive in my own Lamborghini um, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, um, no. It was a funny thing. I completely digressed. I forgot what you asked me. Oh, I'm I'm actually just smiling, going, "Oh, you see, vision boards work." <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. I mean, Do we have well, a maybe focusing where you truly want to be. You know, helps bring you to that point. You do, you know, without going too far down that road. You you do tend to, um, well, always wherever your mind is, you one way or another you or I seem to find myself there and I think that's true of all of all people really um but the while I was on this my first boat I was you know just like Jesus I don't have any leadership skills really um so I went to the crew coach I don't know if she's here anymore oh yeah Kareen uh, she's no she's she's it, well she's based in Australia yeah. now uh, Kareen Rayson is the crew coach now exactly. But it but had been that, it, was it had been previous lady. to this. She was in You're Antibes right. before. What was her yeah. name? Alison. Alison Rent. That's it. Yeah. She um, and I worked with her right through that first job, and she was actually uh, a godsend. She steered me straight and kept my mind focused and always ahead. You know, there was an element of goal setting and mm -hmm. breaking down what was important today and tomorrow and. Um, not getting over overawed and, and looking at it what was really important about that work was recognising what my um, skills were because I be quickly became very focused on what I wasn't good at mm -hmm. uh, and that's all in admin, numbers, accounts you know that we, we have so much those, in common <laughs> yeah it was uh, those were things that were a real and I, I think probably a lot of captains have the same struggle 
but um, it was a real turn off, a real like Jesus, you know, defer it, defer it, defer it, procrastinate, and then the, and the months would come, and you've got this huge pile of accounts and receipts and admin that you just, you know, I find myself going out and doing a wash down to dodge. <laughs> <laughs> so she really did help me through that in terms of uh, breaking the mold a bit and looking outside maybe empowering a crew member who is very good with accounts, usually a, a chief stewardess, mm-hmm. um, and sharing the load uh, to identify the skills that exist within your senior crew um, and, and utilize them. Um, for everyone, really, there is an old mantra, you know, the, the old way um, that it's, you know, everyone's got a role, that's it, it's fixed, and there's the, you know, the barking captain and then the first mate who echoes that and you know everything rolls downhill but I deviated from that a little bit um, for my own survival I think and I found that it's worked really well well you've got to be doing something right because uh, maybe remind everybody that you just won a big reward for being a great captain <laughs> Well, yeah I guess that I think added to that I mean <laughs> one of the feedbacks we've heard the most from from captains and award winners is the the benefits of the crew and really working with the crew do you know of that relationship of being able to rely on each other you know almost every award winner kind of said i couldn't have done this on my own it was the crew that helped get me here 100 percent um i think that even more so in the yachting industry is is pertinent and true because you're not only just turning up for nine to five you are working and living and it building a relationship that's quite unique there's very few other industries where you can be 24 7 for a couple weeks with the same person both living working socializing and you know yeah yeah being friends it's like a slightly social experiment that shouldn't work (laughs) we should get some big brother cameras in there (laughs) well no um I mean, it is amazing when you come off the back of a charter season and all the sort of pressure and energy and finer things that have to work together. And um, everyone is responsible for that in equal measure. Uh, you can't have one person fall out of sync because it brings down the whole, you know, the whole team. And um, yeah, it's. There's nothing more true than that. Every single part of the team's essential. Um, everyone has a role to play, and you have you have to. I mean, maybe some people don't have to, but from the people I've learned from and how I see it, yeah, there's times where you really have to rely on your crew because otherwise you're going to fall over, and if you fall over, everyone's in a bit of trouble. Mm-hmm. I this, uh, think the ability this, to also be able to ask for help you know um yeah as you were saying it is a big part because even as humans we feel good when we help someone it actually raises our serotonin levels we feel good when somebody helps us it raises our serotonin levels even watching somebody being helpful and and nice helps raise our serotonin levels you know it's as humans it works it it does and that's i guess that's something you touched on something there that i think is huge a huge shift in the yachting industry and that's the human element which maybe traditionally was was missing, um, but it has come in, and it is it really is changing the game. I think there's um, a lot more recognition for that, especially mental health of crew. 
um, and yeah. spotting it before it becomes an issue and dealing with it when it is an issue. Um, yeah. And there's also the fear factor. A lot of a lot of crew are very afraid to speak up because if they do, well, yeah. they mightn't get another job. You know, it's um, there, there's a lot of that. So it's. Well, and you mentioned the crew coach. You know, we've we've had conversations with Kareen, who now runs the crew coach. But there's also, yeah. you know, crew crew and impact crew and and companies that are focused on on that very element of helping the dynamic. You know, it's it's in corporate world for eons, and yet yeah. in the awning industry. It's only really, particularly in the past five years, that we've gone, oh, you know what? You know, helping build up the team and develop these social relationships, you know, might actually make the whole experience. And I think the bigger fact is it has a knock-on effect as well, even to the owner. You know, you've got a happy crew. You've got a crew that stick around. They're not, you're retaining them for longer. You're keeping that dynamic and happy crew happy captain happy well, captain happy captain, owner, happy owner. Um, <laughs> yeah it doesn't always work I know essentially happy completely owner, that way crew. but <laughs> everyone yeah, you know that's what everyone strives to achieve and this you know what we're talking about now the with the um, the elements in the corporate world have finally filtered into yachting it's huge it's shifting the landscape and it you know the I think the impetus now that is starting to come on to investing in your crew and recognition, kind of like I said, of who is this person? How would they respond? What is the best way to lead them? How to empower them? Um, it, it, yeah, it's it's a big game changer and it's important. And what you get out of people, not always, but the potential to get back from these people uh, is, yeah, someone who invests back into the boat into the owner grows through the ranks sticks with the boat that longevity that is you know sometimes a bit of a unicorn in the shifting mm-hmm. landscape you've got crew mm-hmm. um there's oh, lots of elements that are coming in and and they're they're key they're, i mean i think it's still baby steps but you i can see the the effects um, yeah, no, we've, sure. we've seen it uh, we've, there's certainly been a lot more talk because that's what we do on radio we do a lot of talk yeah. um, there's been a lot more talk about um, recognizing your know, management of crew and, at, at and a, also bringing in changes that it's part of training as well. It's not just sort of the added, you know, extra seminar here and there that it can be incorporated in as part of your yeah. training. You know, leadership skills and people management skills and that part of it um, is is bit by bit I think being recognized as kind of being really important in the training it's not just the knowledge of your area be it engineer or captain or stew what would you say the most challenging part of your job is if there was one (laughs) I know admin (laughs) (laughs) no because he's just dumped that on the stewardess's lap I believe (laughs) it helps me a lot with that um it's that's a shifting landscape that question, but uh, getting it is just getting the leadership and the balance right, keeping trying to keep things in the crew balance and everyone you know noticing when something starts to slip, where you just have to give it a little you know nudge here and nudge there and spinning the plates basically. Um, I think it's keeping yeah keeping the dynamic 
good and everyone buying into the program buying into the dynamic that you're trying to mm. set and uh, the cohesiveness and the, and the boat, of the team and you know? um, yeah which comes comes from the owner and i'm very blessed in this in this this boat um the system that i came into which is what attracted me to it was the uh the way the owner's rep op- operates and the other boat in the fleet um, da Vinci, the environment is is one that really lends itself to people feeling comfortable and able to, you know, share mm-hmm. if there's something difficult, you know, have fun. But we've got another boat we can look to for crew dynamics, things that work, things that don't, um, and just the understanding of the really understanding of the human element from the top and full backing from from the management side of it. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, in short, <laughs> certainly. Crew balance is is the most consistent, consistently challenging thing. And I'd imagine uh, VVV is quite a busy charter boat. Which that's the plan. I mean, we we relaunched this year, and the whole plan of the boat, the whole plan for the boat, my sort of raison d'être when I took the job, was to create a new platform for this boat as a, to be a successful charter boat going forward. So we got into the season late, but when we did start, we were back-to-back mm. single-day turnaround which isn't necessarily you know the way it I wanted it to be but it's a lot of pressure the, it was a lot of pressure and uh, it, there was always meetings I'd meet with the crew and sit down and say look guys you know we have the option to take this charter it gives us a, a one-day turnaround it's going to be tight you know how do you guys feel about it where are you at how fatigued are you and to a T every single time this season the whole crew just stood up and said, yeah, we're in, let's go, let's do it. Um, which was the, you know, I couldn't have wished for anything more. Mm. They were driving it forward. Um, I said, oh, yeah, okay, shit. Better do <laughs> <laughs> well, would you like some time to think about that? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we were, we were back to back and we were, we were really lucky. We had fantastic guests. We had a great season. It was everything that, a, you know, a chart season is tiring fatigue stress you know the little things first world problems but they become very real in the heat of the moment mm-hmm. um internal crew politics when everyone's tired and we're getting towards the end of the trip um yeah you know we, we lost a few crew through fatigue and a few people got well one of the crew members got a bit sick um people came in last minute during charters it was uh it was a full package in five weeks basically um, and yeah, looking back, it was it was a great season. Yeah. So for younger crew, you know, tuning in and listening, he's young. I know he's young. younger crew. Well, eight years he's old. not a deckhand anymore. He he's got the the trophy for you know. He still looks where young. he is. But for younger crew coming in, if you were to sit down with them, um, what pieces of advice would you give them when they're looking at going forward in in a yachting career or even trying to decide whether this was going to be for them? Um, it would be quite an honest and brutal uh, conversation about what it takes because this isn't an industry for the faint-hearted. There's no, mm-hmm. no bones about that. You know, Expectation you, you versus reality. Yeah, completely. I think there's a bit of a, uh, an Instagram misconception of what it actually takes to come in and get off the ground and and make your way especially now like we said earlier Um, and it would be making sure that 
someone comes in very clear about the work ethic that's needed, how to look after yourself in order to survive that work ethic, uh, and how to interact with the people around you. You know, there is still an element of come in, keep your head down, smile, work hard, go above and beyond, uh, and that will only ever stand you in good stead, you know. The basics of, you know, looking after yourself, but being polite, good manners, interacting well with people, not being reactive. Um, uh, I mean, I try to talk to my crew about, um, you know, reading outside of the industry. This is, I've got a little library of books that help me along the way. And I would always say, you know, start reading about about these things that shine a different light on, be it mindfulness or you know, self-awareness, working in the, you know, development in the business environment, any way of broadening your, the, the concept of your, what you're doing and why you're doing it. Because as soon as you lose sight of why you're doing this job, uh, it becomes difficult. Mm-hmm. It's not just for the money, you know. It's, yeah, you have to, there's lots of ways to make money. Yeah, you have to buy into what you're doing because the, it, you live and work with the people around you. Um, so yeah I'm not going to say fake it till you make it but you do have to uh, <laughs> keep a smile on your face <laughs> sometimes you just got to bite your lip and, and push through um, yeah you, know, you, get, you get back what you put in without a shadow of a doubt that's another cliche but it's so true you're, you're quite the captain cliche aren't you we should call you captain cliche <laughs> but good ones how about uh, how about for yourself Jason you know of where you'd like to see yourself going? Is it just moving up in size? Is it maybe even just sort of looking at more of the Explorer yachts? What kind of motivates you? Like you? Explorer yachts, I, I you? do. If I was going to be a captain, I'd love to be on an Explorer yacht. They sound very cool. But um, where, you know, in, in uh, 10 years' time, where would you at the moment like to see yourself going? Ten years' time is uh, mm, that's a long way. Uh, yeah, that that's a long one since you know. But you know, in the future, we won't put a timeline on it. Uh, honestly, taking this job and then what you know, winning this award and actually being reconnected with with the industry and seeing where it's going um, has given me a whole new element, uh, level of focus and kind of love for it, really. Um, which I've had my moments, you know, step away. And, mm-hmm. um, I'm committed now, I'd say, certainly for the next three to five years um, to, yeah, moving forward. I'd like to go up and get to the top of my tonnage uh, and test myself. Maybe that's not for me, but I'd like to push myself to get there and um, see what can be made of it, how how far this boat can go, how far the crew can be developed for now at what we can achieve next year um you know we've got we've got big plans for this boat and the charters next year um and wherever that leads on to um will probably become a bit more clear over the next year i realize i'm dodging the question you are, you? you are a bet for a man yeah. who made a storyboard and landed up where he wanted i'm nicely sure done. you're going to be more specific i would like to say nicely done that was very professionally done <laughs> that's cool yeah I, I wouldn't have realized that you not said it and i was like yes you did actually um but it sounds you're happy where you are and building up where you are for the now i'm very happy here for now uh honestly speaking 
I've always I've always liked Mangustas. I've always wanted to drive a Mangusta 165. So the next goal after Venivili Vici is a Mangusta 165. And if there's a bigger jet boat that's in my tonnage, whatever that is. Um, uh, right now, I'm pretty well set. France is home. Um, and I like I like to charter. It'll always be charter, I think. It goes with my sort of ADD mindset. And, uh, <laughs> but because of the variety, because of the challenges of different people coming in? Um, the energy it takes and the amount of moving parts that mm-hmm. go on when you're doing a charter... Uh, that's where, uh, oddly, that's where I feel my most calm when there's utter chaos. <laughs> um, it's the you know the quiet days where things are repetitive and a bit boring. Where personally, I'm a bit like, okay, we need some. Is there a storm coming? Is there some sort of adventure? Some sort of chaos. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's. I mean, chaos is not really the right word, yeah. but that you know, energy. Yeah, you're 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 in it. You're on a charter. You've got people come on the boat and immediately you're trying to gauge them trying to figure out very quickly to get ahead of the game of what they want what's going to make them happy how you're going to sort of bring the road up to meet them and get this get this charter in line with what their experiences are you know it's it's an act of service and of course there's, there's always the unknown part of that challenge what's the guest yeah. going to be like uh yeah there's yeah. always that and it's you got to start gauging it really quickly from as soon as they step on the boat um, would you say there's a change in the type of I mean we talked about changes in the industry but would you would you think there's a change in the kind of charter guests that you have coming on I mean for example the expectations the average super yacht has now so many more toys than they did a decade ago it's got to be handy you know knowing a lot of water sports and in your previous experience um that's just one small part of it but it seems like it's becoming a much more rich environment and i would also think maybe there's a change in the demograph of charter guests where Traditionally, they would have been happy, for example, to cruise around the Med or go from Saint-Tropez to Monaco. Possibly the expectations are developing. I think, uh, I think industry-wide, that, is, that couldn't be more true. Of, you know, the way yachting spread. and uh, I think there's an... Yeah, I think it's fair to say that a lot of people coming into yachting that are a lot younger... Um, and yeah, pushing the envelope. I know the Google guys, the things they do with their boats and that fleet. Um, uh, yeah, really making. Uh, yeah, they're really uh, trailblazing. You know, people are going out to the South Pacific now, um, doing all the things that are the polar opposite to you know Saint Tropez, Monaco, the Med, mm. this restaurant, that restaurant. Not to say that's boring, but it can be old hat. And it's nice to see that there's new adventures. And well, I do, I do uh, know there's some boats that just live and exist between Monaco and Saint Tropez and go back and forth and back and forth throughout the whole season. I'm sat yeah. on a boat that exists based on that, which has now changed. See the way yeah. I said there are some boats that do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the history of the Veni Vici, which has now changed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the the variety and the options that charter clients have got now they're mm. huge so it's competitive from from a boat side to get any edge there's a lot of boats out there as well um 
But we see it from uh, Indonesia and from um, the southern hemisphere. The the infrastructure is growing. The services uh, are starting to to appear in in some great destinations. So it's it's becoming more feasible for about to go down there and and enjoy it and get services and supplies and whatever. Yeah. Um, where a few years ago you could go there, but something happened, you're kind of stuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the whole globalization thing. It's everything is, is spreading out. The world's becoming smaller and everything, every, there's options, more and more options all over the place. Your thing's no different. You can definitely yeah. see how things have shifted on this coast. You know, whereas it was the hotbed, where well, it still is, I suppose, but it was mid-season, jam-packed, you can't get a berth. This is where everything happens. It, there's been a change. Um, people have moved a lot further away, just in the med. Mm. And there's a lot more marinas now as well. Do you know, yeah. very high standard quality marinas, which 10 years ago wouldn't have been buzzing like they are. And from one no, side of the med to the, the other. The social security thing as well pushed a lot of boats out of France. Uh, we saw yeah. in Spain, where we're based, um, a huge amount of the fleet moving from France to here because they just didn't know if they're going to be stiffed with social security payments for all of the crew. Yeah, they definitely threw a Hail Mary there, um, <laughs> which is ricocheted somewhat. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what, what may or may not happen, but there's, I've seen a big response just in the last year um, quite quickly how the French marinas have adapted to what's going on you know, in Italy, in Spain, in the States, for sure, you know, it's a big difference to how their op the operations run over there. Um, and I'm sat in Nice now, and the way these guys run the port is, is fantastic. And I wouldn't necessarily have said that a few years ago at French ports. Yeah. I al um, always liked Nice port. It's very pretty there, I think. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. The guys are good. They, they, they look after you, the service aspects here. And that's definitely driven on by how things have developed and, you know, people who are, trying to raise awareness or generate new business for yachting in new places. Montenegro is a good example. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we were speaking you know, with them last week, weren't we? Yeah, well, I haven't been there, but I've seen... I, I that's magnificent. Who, I've seen what they've done, and that's an incredible facility. It's not just a marina, it's an entire lifestyle. And the apartments, the yeah. shopping facilities, the, the schools there, international schools. But you can, you can say equally here in Palma, you know, even in the four or five years we've been here, it has mm. grown hugely, um, equally to Croatia. And, you know, everyone's kind of upping the game, I think, as yeah. as people travel more and, and, you know, destinations are becoming kind of a bucket list of places you want to see. There's such a huge variety. Providing yeah, there is. It's, it's um, I guess, I mean, another thing, the industry is growing, but as it is the awareness uh, you know, it's a looking from the outside in. Yeah, I can see how a lot of people would make very snap judgments on the industry and what it is, and the type of people who are in the boats. You know, the super elite mm. pollution. Oh yeah, uh, but the awareness, the 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 change that I've seen in the last few years, um, which really hit home at the yacht show this year in Monaco. Mm. I had a, a few meetings with a couple of big companies, well, I'll say it was Ocean Co. Oh, yeah. And their, um, yeah, their movement towards, you know, sustainable yachting and energy and you know, financial um, 
input into developing that side of it was huge. Yeah. You know, they made me very clear that that's the future, that's where it's going. Yeah, we've been talking to a lot of companies and um, there is a massive push to it. Actually, uh, I, yeah. I would say every, uh, and we'll be doing this soon, but the big shipyards have put a lot of investment into how to make it more sustainable and not they're putting their own money in this is you know trying to get ahead of the game before even the owners are requiring it but you know we feel that this is going to be a very important move in the industry and we want to be doing it already and having yeah. those options and making it making it the norm making it something that's trendy you can be proud how green your yacht is you know like yeah I uh, if you want to be crass about it, it's great marketing as well. Everybody wants that green label. And um, if you can be seen to be doing it, it's great for the environment. It's great for um, you know, feel-good factor. Plus, it is actually good marketing. People want to deal yeah. with companies that are green. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, everyone knows that's what has to happen. Mm. Um, yeah. Or, you know, the scary big picture. But, the, you know, the... the the generation, the new generation coming through, that blows my mind to see how conscious the, the, the new generation, these guys coming onto the yachts now, and well, not just on yachts, but their awareness and consciousness of anything, like plastic bottles on yachts. Mm -hmm. oh, I, just, um, I, I, was, I was just looking at that. <laughs> yeah. The things that used to go on are just outcast, frowned on mm -hmm. now. If you see someone on the boat next door, do something they shouldn't, you know. By all means, people are going to step in and say, "Hey, what's going on?" It's a bit like wearing a fur coat these days. <laughs> you know, people stop and look at it, but not for the reasons you want them to look at it. It's like, what yeah. is that real fur? Ooh. Yeah. Um, so, Jason, we're just about to hit the top of the hour. Now, before um, we go, though, uh, any predictions for this uh, weekend's rugby? <laughs> I thought have it was going to be a last congratulations you, or something. Have, have you, you got know? a favourite? Shout out to oh. your mother or something. <laughs> After a few beers on Saturday when we beat New Zealand. Um, that was a great match. That was yeah. a really good match. Yeah, a few friends and I decided to buy tickets to Japan. So no. <laughs> that's what's happening tomorrow. So England better win. Are you going to Japan to see it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Lucky guy. See yeah. You get fantastic from her. You get you faster from me. <laughs> no, I, I'm very lucky that I managed to get the time to go, and it all came together. But uh, that's fantastic. See? Honestly, I, England by England by twelve. You reckon England by twelve? I think they could do. They're the only the, the clerk's the one I worry about. He's uh, he's a he's everywhere there's, on the pitch. There's no chance South Africa could do it. <laughs> but I'm going England by twelve. Heart and head. Now, the English defence was uh, incredible. Um, looking forward to that game. Anyway, not to divert well, too much onto rugby. rugby. I know, I can see if that. If somebody wants to hear the news, they can tune in in an hour. <laughs> uh, Jason, uh, thank you so much for joining us this evening. It was so lovely to chat with you. That was a great surprise. I didn't realise that I actually knew you. So it was yeah, a really nice that surprise. That was the bit that you didn't hear audiences. Uh, we were hooking up. I know you. Yeah, your face is familiar. <laughs> Oh, what a small yeah. industry it well, is. <laughs> were, you, were you on Kennelly that went into Triple Eight, or were you on Water Lily? Both, actually. You were both? Yeah. But did you stick with Triple Eight, or did you just... Because... No. Um, they stick with Triple Eight, and then uh, 
the, the new guy came in with his own crew. Ah, okay. That's uh, some years yeah. ago, huh? That was a springboard to me becoming a captain, but that's another story. <laughs> uh, that's, that's the, the For another day. That's episode two of the life of Jason. <laughs> um, it only, only yeah. remains to be said. Congratulations again for a fantastic win of a fantastic award. Thank for you for being so a much. fantastic captain. There you go. <laughs> and now it's having been. to go to fantastic Japan to watch it. I am so jealous of that. <laughs> it's a total pleasure speaking to you. Um, thank it's you very much. Too. Uh, and uh, yeah, certainly thank you to my crew and everyone I work with um, yeah. for making, you know, honestly making everything that happened happen. Well, big okay. shout out for the crew of VVV, Venevidi Vici. After all these years, I still have to think of that <laughs> name. Doesn't quite roll <laughs> off your tongue. <laughs> I was never good at Latin at school. No, but uh, many congratulations, safe travels, and have uh, tremendous fun in the next week ahead. Enjoy Japan. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> thank you very much okay be careful there <laughs> take care Jason <laughs> yeah. thanks bye bye thanks for your time you've been listening to the crew mess uh, we've been speaking with Jason mm. oh come on no because I don't have it written in front of me because I'm just looking at Jason I'm just going to call him Captain Jason <laughs> <laughs> say it again thank you Piazzicus <laughs> Piazzicus uh, last question what's that Greek? for, uh, for a British born boy was that greek grandfather somewhere uh which, yeah it's not cornish my dad's greek ah there you go ah. my dad's greek he's got a greek restaurant on the marina and uh, oh god you lucky guy you grow up in the greek oh fantastic <laughs> oh, didn't just greek have, home cooking doesn't just win the award doesn't just get to go to japan doesn't good looks oh also oh fantastic <laughs> I love Greek food. <laughs> Lovely. Thanks, Jason. Take care. If Gary stole Polly. Yes. <laughs> Good night. Thank you. You are listening to Super Yacht Radio.